Hello, and welcome back to another episode of The Coded Switch. It's been a minute. Here we are, though. Yours truly, Dr. G here in the United States, joined by Told to the Psychologist in Melbourne, Australia. And we've got a lot to talk about. Boy, do we. Um, a lot's happened in the, in the time that we since we've recorded our last episodes, but there's even more. It feels like more has happened in the last week than has happened in the last month since we've recorded. So let's dive right in. Welcome to the Coded Switch podcast, a deep discussion about the experience of intersectionality and vulnerability as it relates to wellness. Hosted by Dr. Galanega Machisa and told to the psychologist. Told to, how are you doing? I feel like I'm like the rest of the world. There's always been good things and not so great things happening, but I think it would be remiss not to talk about what's unfolding in the Middle East right now between uh, the people in Palestine and also in Israel as well. And it just looks like what's breaking out into a full-scale war, like Absolutely. literally a war. Yeah. And it's it's been really scary. I couldn't agree more. It is all of the adjectives, scary, disheartening. Of course, it's one thing. Of I mean, I can't even, I don't even want to put these two things together as though consuming it and seeing images and, and watching it is the same thing as experiencing it. But there is trauma to be experienced all around, I think. Right. Um, obviously, to a, to a greater degree for those who are actually on the ground and, and having to live through this nightmare, this absolute nightmare. Yeah, I just I grieve. I grieve for humanity. I grieve for individuals, right, like us as individuals and, and what we're experiencing in, in, in our corners, but what we're also experiencing collectively. It's been a tough week. It's been an absolutely horrendous week emotionally. And, you know, this is this is sort of like a dynamic that hits very close to home for us because, of course, we come from a part of the world where there has been a significant amount of oppression. And so it definitely strikes a chord there for sure. I'm glad that we were, we're able to reconvene right now, actually. Yeah, I think it's yeah. timely as well because, you know, I guess in some ways when you look at how, like, it's playing out at the moment. Like at the moment, there's like blockades, there's like literal warfare about to happen. It's changed from the old days. Back in the old days, you know, people used to go out to a battlefield and they'd fight, mm -hmm. they'd fight it out, duel it out until, you know, whoever wins, wins. And then, you know, either a land conquers another and so on. Whereas, you know, this is a I siege. Like this is a siege now. Yeah. Literally, like this yeah. is like, we don't care yeah. who's in the way. There are civilian deaths everywhere. You know, mm. we know, for example, like, look, you know, in Palestine, there's only one hospital and they've been told to evacuate to the south, mm -hmm. which there are no hospitals mm. and you've got 24 hours to do it. And in some ways, I guess, I think, oh, can I speak to this as a Palestinian? Probably not. But I guess, you know, as an oral person looking at when there's such a discrepancy between, you know, people's resources and avenues to speak up or even having a voice, I can relate to it so much more, I guess, as someone from Oromo heritage. Right. You know, we've yeah. been for a very long time. It's funny because we can say that Oromos have been oppressed for a very long time, but now we've reached a point where our prime minister or the, you know, the governing ruling uh, yes. force in Ethiopia <laughs> is from our heritage background and yet there's still oppression. And so yeah, right. sometimes I remember, do you remember a lot of Oromo people saying, if only Oromos were in power? Oh, my gosh, of course. That narrative. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I yeah. feel like it and I feel like it's the same with the Palestinian people as well. Like you know, in having a voice, there's like the Palestinian Authority, there's Hamas, and people are like, you know, putting like 
Hamas is a terrorist group. The Palestinian Authority is the one the world supports, but do Palestinians support them? And that same narrative is kind of playing out even in our own backyard in terms of our you know, communities and our voices where, you know, sometimes we're told like this voice is the acceptable one, that voice is not the acceptable one. There's rules of engagement for people who are oppressed, which is kind of, I feel almost like telling people like if you're starving and haven't eaten for you, you need to have table manners. Like you've kind of, you've got a really urgent issue happening for you here. And so I think there's a loss of, there's a loss of humanity in it, right? I think that's what we're skirting around here in, in, we're we're talking in all of these like lovely terms about right but it's like what's at the core of this is that there is a loss of basic humanitarian rec- like just this understanding like the sovereignty of of a human being right yeah. i think that's honest what we keep skirting around and I, truthfully i mean i'm the first one to say that in line to say that of course like i can only imagine for the israelis who whose family members were part of that attack or who maybe are who whose family members are held hostage right now what they must be thinking and feeling because of course you know how human psychology works so sort of you know rational thinking and mechanisms are gone at that point you just want revenge you want this right like i get it i understand they're only seeing red. I I understand what's going on in the psychology there, right? But of course, what's missing is like, you know, it's the same thing. Like anytime there is a power discrepancy, right? There there has to be a level of of restraint. The, the only thing that can happen is absolute catastrophe, if 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 not otherwise. You know, you, we talk about Palestine. We talk about Gaza. When we go down to the root of it, we're talking about about two million people. Mm-hmm. Half of them are children. Right, like children right. are being bombed. Yeah. Children don't oh, even yeah. have access to hospitals. That's um, um, for me. That was the most disturbed. Like that's what actually made me lose sleep. Is see, like if if somebody can look at an image like that, I don't care who you are. I don't care what ethnic background you are. I don't. If you can look at that as a human being and not feel something inside, I am gravely concerned. Right. And I think that's uh, truthfully in all of this, like what is, what is the most concerning is like the language that's starting that, that has been used, yeah. right? It, it, it should signal we've been through this before, right? Yeah. As yeah. a, a humanity, right? As a, as um, a global society, like we've, we've been through this before where, where language dehumanizing language has been used purposefully. Yeah. Yeah. It's language, but what about the others? Like, I literally saw all these Palestinians being loaded into trucks to try and yeah. make it over the 24-hour border. Right. How, does that right. not remind, how does that not that not remind you of the Holocaust in the 1940s? Right. People right. loaded yeah. up into trucks, pushed in, and trucks just kind of taking people essentially right. to their death, whereas, you know, back in the days it was Germans taking the Jewish people to the concentration camps, whereas right, right now in Gaza people are driving themselves there. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. and that's, that's the, yeah. like, that's almost, there's an irony in that. And, I think also like genuinely like it just there's a collective trauma within Palestine that's beyond post-traumatic stress like it's 75 Mm -hmm. years that there's been this has been happening like there is no escape like you said Mm. blockade like it's a siege like Mm -hmm. there's a wall on one side there's no airport there's no sea like where can you go there's really nowhere and in some ways thinking about it you know that what that does to people's mindset even Mm -hmm. on people living outside of the country there are more you know it's like Lebanon, like there are more Lebanese people outside of Lebanon than there is in Lebanon. And I think mm-hmm. Palestine is like that too. I think, you know, 
as Oromo people, and I'm bringing it back to Oromo because that is actually what I can relate to. Mm -hmm. I remember the three years, that was like three to four years or something where we went through this constant turmoil and we were just consuming and we're on the internet mm -hmm. and everyone's on Facebook. The, the, the pictures, the, you know, the con I mean, I was like scared at a point to, to open my feed, right. For fear of like what graphic picture you would see. Right. Like, and it's, at some, you, you want there, there's the thought in the, you know, the rationale that watching and, and listening and, and, and hearing is being involved in some way or, or showing concern, right? Yeah. I think there is something particularly disempowering about be only being able to consume and not being able to enact, right? Not, mm -hmm. it's, it's not good for the human psyche. Oh. It's really, you're right. It's a, it's a great form. I mean, and it's why the media operates the way that it does. Sorry to go there, right? Sorry yeah. to go there, but it is exactly why the media biases sort of, you know, things that will keep people in a fearful state. I tell my patients like, don't consume it. Don't, yeah. I don't, my, I myself don't. I think I told you that when we, when I didn't know Tina Turner died, right? Yeah. Like, I don't because it is like, it is, if if things are going well, it will be the thing that potentially could go wrong as the story because I we're just naturally inclined to listen to you know to be biased for for the thing that can harm you and for the thing that can threaten you. That narrative plays out again and again and again. And if you think about it, like you know, so, how many? Like I don't know how to put. Like I do know how to put this actually. So I'll just come out with it. We're looking at all the other conflicts around the world where there's such a discrepancy between the power. You look at Ukraine and Russia, which is mm -hmm. like the, you, you look at, you know, Russia is the colonising power and mm -hmm. you know, Ukraine is trying to resist. You look in China, you've got people, students in Hong Kong retaliating mm -hmm. against the government, throwing rocks, right. doing sit-ins, mm -hmm. and they're seen as this despicable type of humans who are just ruining the occupiers' views. Mm -hmm. Similar thing that's happening, you know, in Russia, even in Oromia and in Ethiopia, it's like pretty much the same dynamic mm -hmm. as there is in Palestine and Israel. So when, you know, Palestinians are like fight resisting back, it's, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it a fight. They don't even have a military. They don't even have any of that kind of, hey, let's have a fight because we're on even playing field. It's mm -hmm. not that. So mm -hmm. it's so important at that point, I think, to start analyzing what on earth is going on that people are responding in such a way like we've been told as oromos can't you just stop speaking your language can't you just identify with the majority like can't you just can't you just just mm -hmm. and then in just doing that you start giving up parts of yourself like your right. identity your integrity yeah. your well-being and it's just never good enough if yeah. i really wanted to like take it out to a back step sometimes i feel like even for me, being a Muslim woman, sometimes mm -hmm. it's at that level of, well, why do you have to wear that? Why do you have to dress mm -hmm. that? And then you have to start, or like there's this view that you need to start being in a way that appeases other people without mm -hmm. speaking the truth. And it's so irrational and it's so yeah. based on whose opinion, particularly right. when you're not harming anyone and you're doing your God, your life-given right, God-given right just yeah. to be who you are. So yeah. how much of yourself do you have to keep giving up? Like, yeah. you know, is it your faith? Is it your dress? Is yeah. it your um, your gender? Is it your job? Is it your role in the house? And I think mm -hmm. these are the things that we grapple with, you know, as people, I can say as Muslims, I can say as women, like we sort of, and again, it kind of comes back to this idea of these intersections, the way they intersect, affect us. And power is something that plays into that. 
Absolutely. I mean, I think I think we we get really caught up in sort of the the grander scheme of communities and cultures and right and 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 the the group identity that it's it what gets lost in and I think the reason why being able to see things from just like a, a humanitarian perspective the loss of being able to see the dignity and humanity in a person comes from the the when you when you can no longer identify with them right when you lump them into a group right as instead of seeing them as individuals and and I always try to bring it I always this is what I do as a practice for myself is to yeah. to, to to practice like just a mental exercise of to feel what would I be feeling if I were in that situation that's why I you know at the beginning or earlier talked about what it would feel like you know as an Israeli to have lost a family member in that attack right like that's it's you have to you have to consider everything, and it doesn't mean that because you consider that that you can't you can't see the bigger picture as well, right? Like you can't see the I bigger picture of like Palestinian who literally exactly like the whoa, hold on, okay, I get that, but wait a second, right? There mm -hmm. is like a huge discrepancy in power here in capability. Like hold on, right? Like I and I think that's what is lost. In of course, there's there are larger factors that are capitalizing on people's inability to sort of, you know, think critically in a way to, to or, or to connect and, and see the humanitarian another person. And, and I mean, I think we're even being driven that way purposefully for the benefit of, you know, powers unseen. Powers. Yep. Yeah, powers unseen, honestly. And, and because I think that the most dangerous thing for people who hold power and who want to maintain powers for the masses to sort of sway the other take way take their heads out of their sand right take their heads out of the sand and realize like hold on a second wait mm. a minute we're all being puppeteered here right and and in order to not be that in order to right because there's a lot of there's a lot of very really good points so, some of the same points that were brought up after you know 9 11 about like how in the world could this yep. have not been like how did how do they how did no one know this was going right like and then it gets into a really, really, really ugly side of, of humanity, of, of you know, human psychology, right? What and about the people who, who've sort of had to suffer as a result? We literally... Oh, my God. Yeah. I'm not American, but the yeah. world was yeah. happy for America and Australia was kind of complicit in it too. Like, that was super yeah. supportive. We went to Iraq for weapons of mass destructions when none yeah. literally obliterated a and country. Then and once the masses started to clue into that, that we were also lied to, that we were sort of right, like, then the opinions start really changed. I mean, now it is the the rhetoric around that whole conflict is like, is a blame game of like, who got us in and who like, it's nobody wants to own that now, right? Because mm -hmm. of everyone recognizes that it was like, not the right response, right? It oh. was not the correct response. But in the mean, in that time, when you galvanize people because of some sort of like, you know, us versus them event, yeah, which is which essentially. <laughs> yeah. And then what happened? Like the Iraqis are still suffering because, yeah. you know, the yeah. world just made a mistake. So like who yeah. went in, who are we going to blame, regardless yeah. of who takes the blame, they don't yeah. have a country anymore. Like I get it. They had a dictator and I'm not saying it's yeah. good to live under a dictatorship. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the country is literally in shambles and reeling from what we decided was, you know, I guess 
you know, I, I don't even know what to call it. It shambles is just uh, making light of it. I feel like it's just they literally destroyed a nation, like a yeah. whole millions and millions of people. And the same this is thing- this is time and time again. Can, I mean, think about what I don't know. I'm sure Australia was not involved in this, but the United States did a lot in in Central America, right? I mean, and South America too, for that matter. My God, just like mm-hmm. basically going in and and you know, forming shadow governments essentially. And, and, and it's, it's, it gets ugly, right? It gets ugly very quickly. If you want to go there and and really want to understand what's going on, it's made to seem like, you know, masses or cultures versus culture. It's not, Um, it has, it's actually, I mean, that's what we're being sold and people are, are, are eating it up. Mm-hmm. But it's it's and of course now I'm going into I know I sound exactly like most conspiracy theorists, but like there it's it's truth. Like people are, you know, we're being pitted against each other, and and we're more alike than we are dissimilar. That's the thing is that we I, I mean we are alike. There's there actually no is no other. I mean, culture is just it's a it's a construct. It really is. It's a construct that we've created. So when you think about like the basic needs of a human being, what they what they seek, it's the same. It's, it's the same everywhere, right? The yeah. things that we hold that we hold sacred are you know family and you know connection and uh, you know acceptance and uh, like it's it's the same everywhere you go. It is the same, right. and also you know, different humans have different powers and therefore different responsibilities. Like right. America, oh, yeah. With power responsibility comes responsibility, yeah. Americans. They have a, yeah. they had a responsibilities to Iraqis to know what they were doing. Right. The same way that Israelis have like an obligation to Palestinians. And if we think about Australia, like bringing it back to here, mm-hmm. it's so ironic you spoke about South you know, Americans because today uh, we are going, uh, as a nation, Australia is going to vote on a referendum to change our constitution to um, give Aboriginal people a voice uh, in terms of having an advisory position to Parliament House or to Congress on matters that relate to them. So we're voting whether they should have that. So the bare minimum, first of all. Mm. uh, (laughs) I I, I have to start with, like, I I can't, in the year 2023, I can't believe that's an actual... Like, I I struggle to find the words and wrap my head around... That yeah. that is there is, of like a a vote a discussion about. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I okay. need to, like maybe a bit of history here, but like, <laughs> and maybe this might serve to explain why Australia is so supportive of occupying powers, um, oh. because of our own history. And I so see. you know, you may be surprised to find out that in South Africa. When they wanted to develop the apartheid, they used the Australian white Australia policy as a model to develop apartheid in South Africa. After you had your civil rights movement and sort of had your laws changed in the 60s, like early 60s, I think it was Mm -hmm. or something. uh, Mid-60s. Yeah, mid-60s. So at that time, Aboriginal people were still considered as part of the Flora and Fauna Act, which meant that they weren't allowed to vote and they were considered in the same class as animals and children and, and like, you know, fauna and flauna. Flora and fauna. So the words are just playing up with me. That's all right. um, That's all right. It was shocking. So when my grandparents came out, like to Australia at the time, these people, like Aboriginal people, had no rights. And so it's not even no rights. They came to Australia and and called this country. They dubbed it like this concept called terra nullius, which means this land belongs to nobody. And then they just took that land and then eventually started pillaging. Uh, And and it's not something that was four hundred years ago. 
So this is like till the 1970s, we've got something called the stolen generation where it was routine for Aboriginal people when they gave birth in hospitals for their children to be taken away. And so a lot of, there's a whole generation of people who don't know who their parents are, who don't know their identity, who have been raped generation over generation because Australia decided blood quantums was how we defined Aboriginality. So once you know, you had two or three generations of, you know, mixing in with other ra other racial backgrounds that you weren't considered Aboriginal anymore. So are you half Aboriginal, a quarter Aboriginal, 